0: Welcome to Crazy Good Talks with Deirdre Van Nest. In this podcast, we help growth-oriented financial advisors, leaders, sales professionals, and experts stand out and own the room every time they speak. Deirdre will empower you to grab and keep the attention of any audience, live or virtual. Make emotional connections with your listeners and inspire them to take action. Join us on this journey where Deirdre will empower you to become a more confident presenter and knock it out of the park when you speak
1: stop juggling all those balls having your own business or practice doesn't have to be this stressful you can create a self-managing company and deirdre's guest aaron botsford knows how she's done it with some crazy good communication skills that increase your credibility because they make you human
0: i couldn't be more excited to have my guest aaron botsford on the show today so aaron and i met Years ago, we were both speaking at an event, and uh, it was exciting, first of all, because there's not a lot of women who are keynoting events, so she was like, I was like, ah, another woman, so that was pretty cool, but when I saw her speak, I was like, I need to meet this woman, she's amazing, she's a powerhouse, And super super generous. So before I bring Aaron on, let me just give you kind of just a a few fun facts about her. So Aaron is a top baron, uh, baron, excuse me, top one hundred advisor in all categories. Advisor, independent and woman, which is just amazing. She successfully sold her financial planning practice back in 2017 and now provides advisors the ability to model her success through her elite advisor success system training program. And I've seen it and I can tell you it's amazing. I've had clients go through it and they absolutely love it. But here's one of the things I love best about Erin is that she donates half of the profits from her training company to support orphans in Africa. And I'm sure she'll talk a little more about this. Now, if you are not a financial advisor, because we know uh, we have mission driven entrepreneurs listening to the podcast, please don't tune out because the strategies Erin is going to be talking about really goes across all business industries. I use the strategies I've learned from Aaron and I'm not an advisor. So, so if you own a business,
1: this is for you. Welcome, Aaron. Well, thank you, Deirdre. I want, I do want to point out that the first time you saw me, um, you came up to me and you said, well, I said, how was my talk? And you're like, well, it was pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I said, well, what do you do for a living? Well, I teach people how to give talks and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. So as a result of that, I became one of your students and, and the rest, as they say, is history. Is so history. so it's I history. think, you know, we got put together fortuitously and, you know, it's been such a nice run and a great time getting to know you and being one of your students. Oh, I agree. I've loved working with you and I've loved the
0: friendship that we have developed and uh, I know we share a lot of clients in common, so that's been really fun to uh, just have someone amazing to refer my my corporate clients to and my advisor clients. One of the things that I've always loved about you, Erin, that was very impressive, and I think this is one of the things that stood out to me when I first heard you speak, is that you say your business should not be your life it should be the benefactor of your life. That is such a unique twist on business. Can you talk about what does that mean when you say that?
1: I struggled really badly. I became a financial advisor in 1989 and I was in Panama City, Florida, where the average per capita income was $9,000 a year. Try being a stockbroker in that environment. And my husband, we moved to Dallas, Texas, and I had to start all over again So I worked, 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 worked. I worked seven days a week. I never took a day off for seven years and it was not fun, Yeah. but I I mean, no one ever taught me that life could be any different from that. I'll I'll tell you my, how my, how this came about my epiphany and you know, the story, but it was in my 10th year in business and I was ready to fail out. I was Mm. like, you know what? I, if I can't figure this out, I just want to quit. And so my branch manager at the time said, you know, why don't you go get some business coaching? So I enrolled in a business coaching program, and I just embraced it wholeheartedly. Something happened that would forever, ever, ever change my life, and that was on the third year. It was a 12th session. And this was Strategic Coach, right? Yes. Yeah, strategic yeah coach. and I'm, coach. I'm in Coach, too, and I know a lot of yeah. our
0: listeners are probably in Coach, yeah. so amaz- yeah. if you don't know Strategic Coach, by the way, check out Strategic Coach. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I was in strategic coach for 15 years. So oh, can
0: I tell you one thing real quick, real yeah, exciting about strategic coach? Yeah. I just enrolled in Dan Sullivan's 10X program with strategic coach. So I'm excited. I think you got to work with Dan when you did it, but uh, he doesn't do the, the signature program any longer. So yeah. I've not yet worked with him. So I'm excited well, to, to be in was his my program. my coach all 15 yeah. years.
1: Yeah, he's amazing. And it you're going to love him. You're going to love it. Dan, at the time, asked us to all stand up and find somebody in the room to share our progress with. I got up and I saw this random guy standing there. And I said, hey, you want to do the exercise together? He goes, yeah. And his name was Paul. And I said, I want to go first because I was so excited about my progress over the three years. And so I said, hey, I'm going to go first. I'm Aaron Botsford, I'm from Dallas, Texas. And I told him that three years ago, I was doing around $300,000 in personal production. And now I'm on target to do somewhere between 400 and 450. And I'm thinking to myself like, Woohoo! Look at me. <laughs> and you know, the rest of the story. So then it's Paul's turn. He said, Hey, I'm from Virginia. He was also in the, in our business. And he said, three years ago, I was doing 300,000 in production as well. And I'm, I swear to you, I looked at him and I thought, well, look at that. We're just alike. And then I tell people, Paul said the words I'll never forget. He goes, this year I'm on target to do 3 million in production. <laughs> and he goes, I don't meet with any existing clients anymore. What I do is I go out and I, you know, prospect and I sell the philosophy of our firm, and then I turn all me, my new clients over to build a whole team around me. And I was like, "What? <laughs> you went from three hundred thousand to three million in three years?" He's like, "Yep." And of course, I'm thinking, "Did I miss a coaching session?" Or, know, yeah, like, is go- there like a is there like a secret program that <laughs> I didn't know existed?" It was it was crazy. Of course, then the bell rings. It's time to go back to our chairs. And I'm sitting there. I tell people it was like that ALS bucket moment challenge. I was like, what? I felt like I was just covered with water. And I'm thinking, how in the world did you do that? So we're supposed to be seated. And I start stammering. And I'm like, Paul, Paul, um, could I just please buy a few hours of your time? And he's like, yeah, sure. He goes, why don't you come spend the day with me and my team? I went home as fast as I could get back to Dallas. Deirdre, you'll know this. I made Bob, my husband, go with me. Now, Bob's an airline pilot. But I wanted him to understand when, if, if Paul said, well, you know, in order to get that kind of success, you're going to have to divorce your husband, right. give up your firstborn child. I just knew right. there was going to be this big like cost to it. Right. Exactly. Fortunately, I got to spend one day with this very successful person. And truthfully, all we re- all he did was he changed the way I think about the business. Yeah. 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 When I went home, I remember he gave me a book to read and stuff like that. And I went home and I wrote down. This mantra was that I wanted my business, I didn't want my business to be my life. I wanted my business to the, be the benefactor that allowed me to have a great life. Yes. And that's where that started back, you know, 20 years ago. I'm really lucky. I got back at the time I had one part-time assistant named Kaylin. And I remember meeting with her and I said, okay, Kaylin, here's the deal. I'm going to go out and bring a new business and uh, you're going to do everything else. And her reaction she was 20 right out of, thank God. She was 20 right out of college. Right. And her reaction was, okay. <laughs> From there we started. And three or four years later, I did three million and four million and five million. My business just kept growing. And it was just really, it's it's so much, it was like flipping a switch in my head. Yeah. I think that's the piece that so many, not just financial advisors, but business owners, they 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 get caught up in doing the work of the business instead of thinking like a business owner. And then they wonder why they can never step away. They can never take a vacation. They're just tied to their business.
0: So I want to, so here's what we're going to do with this interview here, this discussion. I want to keep us honest. It's called crazy good talk. So I do want to ask you some communication questions. I'm going to ask you that in a little bit, but I do want to keep on this business track because I, I know my, my listeners are thinking, oh my gosh, give me, give me some nuggets because I think a lot of business owners, and, I, and I've been here too, I'm in a big transition right now, are in that how do I get out of the working in to working on? And it is a mindset shift. So once you make that mindset shift like you made, what are some of the first few steps you took and what would you recommend someone else who is in your situation like now, right?
1: Where you were 20 years, take, to start making that happen right well i want to first give an analogy because i think it helps and that is that one of the things paul talked and i talked about was we said aaron instead of being in this business just pretend that you own you decided to buy four mcdonald's franchises so you bought one in the north of your town one in the south one in the east and one in the west and so he said in which one of those mcdonald's franchises would you be in the back flipping burgers and the answer was none of them, right? Because yeah. flipping burgers is the work of the business. So I really had to then put that into my own head. And one of the problems that I had was I just always I always wanted to be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. And the problem is if you have to be the smartest person in the room, then you have to be in the room. Right. And I remember going to one of my, if she was a branch manager at the time. And I was telling her, you know, I, my goal, when I came home from that one day, I said, someday I want to have seven conference rooms filled with clients of my firm. And I'm not in any one of them.
0: Mm -hmm. And the truth Mm -hmm. is that's exactly
1: what happened. I said to her, I've got to hire people and I got, I've got to train them to do what I do. And I'm afraid to do that. What if they screw it up? I mean, you and I both bringing on a new client prospecting and bringing on a new client. That's the hardest part of the business. I certainly don't want somebody coming in after me and screwing it up. It is scary.
0: So let's talk about that for a minute. First of all, I love what you're saying about if you're the smartest person in the room, then you always have to be in the room. And, and so what I hear you saying is we have to be willing to let go some of our our ego. I mean, there is ego tied in that. We have to be willing to, to let go of that. We have to be able to visualize an outcome that we want how do you not only get over the fear of like, what if someone screws it up, but also find people that aren't going to screw it up? I think it's a two-part situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How many days do you have? One of the smart things that this woman, Susan, said to me, she said, Erin, if your people could do things, let's say you had those sevens conference rooms. And if your people could do things, 65% as well as you, would that be good enough? And I came, I, you know, I had to go home and I had to think about it. And I thought, okay, well, if I had seven conference rooms filled with people and they were 65% as effective as I am, I came back and I go, yeah, you know, that would be good enough. Right. Well, it turns out they were way more effective than even I was. Okay. So how did I Mm. find that? One of the things I started to do was again, I wanted to train people myself because I'm a control freak. Okay. Starting with Kaylin, then we hired another person and another person. All I did was I segmented my clients into A, B, and C, or and I, in that case, I had D clients too. Because when I first you know, got in the business, my gosh, I was this young girl, 29 or 28 years old. If they came in and if they could fog a mirror, they were qualified yeah. to be a client, right? Sure. So I had a lot of people who had $10,000, $50,000, $100,000 with me. I had to come to the realization that if those are my C or D clients, if those people went away because this person screwed things up, I had to be okay with that. Mm. Okay. I, I wasn't having them meet with my a clients. Yes, got it. Okay. They need to practice on the C and D. So here's what I did. I hired, let's I'll use the word the guy, Kyle. Kyle, starting on day one, first of all, I always got him out of the University of North Texas. I got him out of college. I like to get them right out of college so I could I don't want people coming in with bad habits. With bad habits. You want to mold them. Okay. Okay. I so that's interesting. So yep. I could also get them really cheap rather than a seasoned professional from day one. Okay. I had a three-part process. Day one, Kyle comes into every meeting with a C client, every single meeting. He takes the notes. He does all the follow-up. I just conduct the meetings and that's all of year one. So let's say we have four meetings in year one. In year two, we make a huge transition. Mind you, he's been in all these meetings and he's also been in some of my B client meetings, my A client meetings. And this is for a year. Okay. Wow. wow. But he's, okay. You know, as I said, he's doing all the follow-ups, sending the paperwork and he's learning. And, and what we would do is after every meeting, you know, people are gone. I would say, okay, Kyle, tell me what happened in that meeting. Yeah. They had to articulate back to me. Well, I noticed when you said this, they came back with that. And this is how you replied, right? He learned to overcome objections and things just by being in the room with me. But I wanted to see, did he pick it up? I didn't want yes. to tell them what just happened. I wanted yes. to know, did he pick it up? Year two was where the magic happened. First meeting goes exactly the same. I, I run the meeting, Kyle's in the room, but I suddenly just um, can't remember things. And I'll mm. say, well, Kyle, do you remember about this? Or do you remember the cost of that? Or do you remember? And I keep deflecting my credibility to Kyle. Yeah. They're used to having him in the room, Right. Right. And they're used to having him follow up on things, but now I'm just, I'm, I'm deflecting and I'm passing on my credibility to Kyle. That's they brilliant, really actually. Me. Thank you. That's brilliant. Meeting two that year, so it's a quarter later or however long later, Kyle and I switch seats. Okay. We, there's never an announcement made. Kyle just sits right, normally said, and I sat where he sat. And Kyle runs the meeting. And the third meeting... I'm conveniently late. The conveniently late is, and by the way, you and I both know I don't lie. I like I try not to lie. I would never say I got tied up in a meeting. I just say I'm sorry I'm late. Right, I'm sorry I'm late. And you they were don't you need were just to know why I'm late. They don't need to know what I'm doing. But I had a right. magic I had a magic trick, and this was beautiful. So what I would do, I would walk in the meeting and I would look for a sign. The person, it was was Kyle or Blaine or JP or whoever. There's many, many, many that came after Kyle. But the sign was, I would look for a pen. They would take their pen. And if they took the pen and they laid it on the right-hand side of their yellow legal pad or the piece of paper, what that said to me was, everything's going great. These people are happy. There's no reason for you to stay. Mm -hmm. But if they took their pen and they laid it across the top of their piece of paper sideways, I looked for it. They had some objections that I couldn't overcome. I could use a little help. You might want to sit down. So I would literally just wait for the sign. If I saw that they needed help, I'd go, hey, what are you guys talking about? Would you mind if I sat in? So I'd pull up a chair and then I would allow Kyle to then say, well, we were recommending that they put their money in X, Y, and Z. And, you know, they have some questions about that. I'm like, oh, really? What are your questions? And I was able to then overcome the objections and get the business done anyway that's how i did it I, I started with my c clients or c slash d the next year it was my b and finally year three i i all of my a clients i ended up yeah. not meeting with any clients at wow. the end my last five years what i did was i sold the philosophy of my firm and i i tell them i mean i had very famous dallas cowboys as clients i had a lot of famous people and i'm like you know what you just have to understand nobody gets me, okay? And why is that good for you? Because if you get hit by a Mack truck, I don't want you to worry like, oh my gosh, what happens to my money? What I did was I sold the philosophy. Philosophy firm. I did I, not sell me. I
0: love it. So I do want to ask you about, but I don't want to go there yet because there's so much here. We could talk for hours, Um, uh, and this is why you have the training course because then people get you for hours, <laughs> yeah. right? And I'm thinking I need to go back through it. So I do want to ask you about the role your communication skills have played, obviously, in selling the philosophy. We'll go back there in a moment. Okay. But there's just a few things that you said that I really want to highlight. So, first of all, you wanted to make this thing happen, this 10X, like Paul did. I love that Paul story. I just think it's just so, it's just so good and so rich. But you so you're you're probably kind of feeling urgency, but you took the time to train. What I hear you is being very patient. The fact that you spent a year. It shows, shows a lot of patience. What you're saying is don't expect someone to just overnight come in and like six weeks, they can replace
1: you. Like, that's not how this works. Correct. This is strategic and this takes time. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I, I don't know. That's the way I did it. Maybe you could get it done faster, but I'm such a control freak Yeah, that I didn't want to leave anything to chance. Yeah. Most people in my business, at least are control freaks. Yes. I mean, in a, in all the most beautiful ways possible. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right? but, yes. um, it's difficult for those of us who are to get ourselves out of the room. Well, absolutely. Uh, so
0: here's one thing that came up for me. And again, I'm a business owner and I'm scaling right now. So I'm, I'm like drinking in everything you're saying my one fear. And so I'm so wondering if maybe my listeners are thinking this too, is you invest all this time into this person. And then what if they leave Aaron, like six months in or 18 months in, and you're like, oh my gosh, the amount of time. Can you just talk to that fear for a moment? Yeah, because I had people leave.
1: So I had two people leave within a month of each other. And it, I can't say it was devastating because it really wasn't because I had a big enough organization that the clients that they served, went, I assigned them to somebody else. I also, and what I did was, one, one thing that's super important is that I did have everybody sign a non-compete, non-solicitation agreement. Yeah. I paid, yes. paid $9,000 for that, uh, that one um, document. document, and I actually yeah. give that document. All of my students get that document so they can use it. What I said to both of these people that left, because typically when they leave, they they, they think they're going to go do what you do, right? They're going to become your competitor. At least that that's the way it is in my business. Both of these people, I mean, I remember one game, she came to me and she goes, you know, like, you're out there just whining and dining people and we're doing all the work and you're making all this money. I'm like, okay, you know what? And I told, I told her, I said, I will be your biggest cheerleader. I will support you, but I will also... I will also defend that non-compete that you signed. And they, and I told him, I said, here, one of them was, maybe, maybe I'll call her Susan. Susan, now you're going to go out and you're going to try and find new clients and you're going to have to hire people, right? You know, Karma is an interesting thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. You don't want someone to do the same to you. You don't want them to do that. I said, you know, I'm going to do you a favor. And if I if you even contact one of my clients, I said, I will, I will enforce this non-compete. And trust me when I tell you, I can afford better lawyers than you can. I was very kind. I'm like, on the other hand, I want your success. I pray for your success and I'll do everything I can, as long as you don't start pilfering my clients, you know, yeah, because you're going to find out, you're going to find out the most difficult part of any business is prospecting and business development. And it's interesting. One of the two people that left me failed out of the business. The other one's doing marginally well. And I offered to help them any way they want. It's just don't steal my clients. One of them, the guy that's doing well, he, he did, he asked me for breakfast one day. He said, I, this client called him and would like to do business with him. And in that particular case, I, on, I mean, I, I th- he did the honorable thing. Yeah. There was nothing legally I could really do if a client called him. Right. Right. Yeah. I and you want people do... to be able to work with who they want yeah. to work with. It's not no, like that's you're trying to hold people what, hostage. Yeah. To have two people leave me and and lose one client over it, I thought that was pretty good. That is really good.
0: That is really good. And then I wasn't even thinking of that angle when I asked the question, but now I'm glad you brought that up. The angle I was thinking is just the amount of time and energy you invested in training and then they
1: like wash out. Yeah, well, the other thing too, Deirdre, is... I always had the clients get used to working with a number of my people. Okay. So you were like, had enough people kind of going in the
0: pipeline where you weren't depending on any one person to make or break your business. It sounds like. Correct. Okay. I think that's the lesson here is have several people that you're training at the same time. Yeah. So that if someone leaves,
1: you're not like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Well, I mean, I'll give you an example and this is you know, really important. So I had... Two people at the time, it was Kaylin and a woman named Laura and a part-time woman named Hillary. Okay. Hillary did all my insurance paperwork or whatever. Laura's husband got brain cancer. Hmm. Now he his 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 uh business, he was a, a mechanic or something, and they fired him. Here he the guy gets wow. brain cancer. He they fire him. So I had him working for us. He was I was paying him ten dollars an hour to file or whatever. Now this was 20 years ago or whatever. At the end he died, but he was in hospice care from January till Easter till April. And she was home with him in hospice care. She was my number one, my assistant. She made all my appointments. She did everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, that was the time I was like, oh my gosh, but here's the good news about this. Deirdre was this, what I realized was we had no systems and processes in our business. Mm -hmm. I'd call her and go, Laura, I mean, I wanted, I, I wanted to send every client a birthday card, and I wanted it to arrive the day before their birthday. Well, yes. How does that happen? And so she, Laura, she was a wish she could do everything, and she, but she had it all in her head. Ah, yes. And this is a really good a tip. I hired a college student. Um, his, his name was Andy. He was the son of a friend of mine, so I hired him and paid him whatever, and I said, "Here's the deal." While she's out, by the time she comes back, I want to have a systems and process manual created. I love so, it. Andy, what I want you to do, because I asked her, I mean, I was paying her full full pay. Right, right. Yeah. While she sat by her husband who was dying. He was only like 38. He was dying. Oh, and she wanted to have something to do. So yeah. Andy, would say, Andy would say, Laura, how do we send a birthday card? And it's got to be down to where do we buy the cards? How do we get postage? She would type up, how she did things. And then if Andy could do it, then I had a system and I had a process. So really and truly hiring that college kid to ask the questions of how to do things. Now I have a systems and process manual. By the time she came back, now it had to be, had to be changed and updated with every chain broker dealer change or anything I made. But, but at least I had that. I can tell you another reason that you, any business owner wants to have a systems and process manual is because you don't want any employee to be able to put a gun to your head and say, Deirdre, you better give me a $10,000 a year raise or I'm leaving and they leave with everything in their head.
0: Yeah, you just, no, that
1: you can't afford that.
0: No, that's awesome. And so many of us business owners, we're kind of like flying by the seat of our pants, shooting from the hip. We're quick starts, right? If you know the Colby and visionaries and we're like, eh, let's just do our thing. And the process stuff can, can go by the wayside. So that's something that my company has spent the last year really getting in place are these SOPs and really creating them. So no, I appreciate that.
1: Okay. Well, Let's and another. About, another okay. I want to say one final tip yeah. on that. What I did was once I had it, then every new employee, their first year quarterly bonus was based on them updating oh, the systems so and process. Yeah.
0: That's, 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 that's so good. I love your, I love how you think, Aaron. I love how strategic you are. Okay. Let's talk about, you are, you are. So let's talk about communication for a little bit. So let's go back to, you have the firm's philosophy, which I love that your job is to sell it. How important is you being an effective, emotionally engaging communicator in being able to sell that philosophy? Talk to us about that.
1: Well, as you know, it's everything you teach it. I, I was kind of like, you know what? That.
0: I got to say something. Not, I feel like not every business owner, not every advisor and every, not every entrepreneur, I don't think they get that the communication is everything. Like I still feel like there are people who are like, eh, I've been, I've been talking since I was born. Do you know what I'm saying? Or I've been writing since grade school. It's really not that big a deal. So I'd love for you to speak to this from your experience at the level of success you've achieved.
1: Why is it everything? Well, I can tell you from personal experience, you, this whole idea of being emotionally engaging, what that means is part of it is telling your story. Where did you come from? How did you arrive here? And, and what makes you a good fit for working with this client? Yeah. Now I was emotionally shut down for many, many years. As you know, my personal story, I was raised in poverty, real poverty. My dad died when I was 11, left my mom with six kids and no money. And then when I was 16, I was on my way to work at McDonald's I was involved in a car accident I hit a guy on a motorcycle he was killed I was charged with manslaughter I went through a criminal trial then a civil trial it was just a horrific yeah. time in my life yeah and interestingly enough Deirdre then I met my husband Bob in high school we got married he, w- he became an air force pilot and was like off we go into the wild blue yonder and then 10 years later I end up in this business Now, I wanted to forget everything that had happened in my life. Of course. And I never, I wanted, I wanted to, I didn't want anybody to know I'd been raised in poverty in the, in the projects. I didn't want, I didn't want people to know I'd gone through a criminal trial and tried to commit suicide, not once, but twice. I mean, I had some baggage, big baggage. Okay. So I tried to buy the, the nicest suits and the nicest shoes and the nicest car and drive up. And I wanted to impress them with my stuff. Like you're
0: trying to cover it. You were trying to cover it up almost,
1: right? Like yeah. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed yeah. of mine. Oh, Aaron. Mm. So what happened was this. I'm doing, I didn't even say marginally well. I'm, I'm in business. I'm in business like three years. Yeah. Or nobody. I'm never going to tell my story. I wanted right. to bury yeah. it so deep. You can yeah. even imagine. And then these people came in, Deirdre. I was a stockbroker, AG Edwards. I'm like the next broker up. These people come in and he's getting ready to retire from a pharmaceutical company. And they're just distraught because here they've worked all their life. They've saved all their money. And their son was driving a car in their name and he hit a motorcyclist and the motorcyclist was killed. Oh, Aaron, seriously, the fact. Well, obviously, God, that was a divine
0: uh, connection. I mean, what are the odds, right? Could have been anyone that- I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you no, know, I. this no, is no, not we're happening. No, 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 no. We're not going
1: there, we're not going there. <laughs> and, and I, it was just, I was shaking inside. And I was like, what do I do with this information? Because yeah. they were like- He's suicidal. He's this. And it was like, you and I know God did bring those people to me. Because that for the first time in 12 years or whatever, I said, I I understand what you're going through. And I I understand. And then people like, oh, yeah, right. Right. And then I tell my story. And these people just they literally leapt across the desk to hug me. (laughs) I mean, somebody could relate to what. Their right. fear was they were afraid they were going to get sued and lose lose everything they'd worked so hard yeah. to, to build. They were afraid their kid was going to you know, end up in jail. There were all these fears and they were talking to somebody who had been down that that road and that path. And I survived. And I survived Ugh. to tell the story. What was interesting, Deirdre, is nobody told me. I didn't know how I became an effective communicator, but I eventually I told my story all the time. Yeah. Why? Because... What I learned was people by people. Everybody has gone through, if you're over the age of 22, you've gone through something typically, right? My clients yes. were usually in their 40s, 50s, or 60s. They'd had miscarriages and they'd gone through divorces and they had people die around them. And goodness sakes with COVID, I mean, all this stuff has happened. And all people really want to do is they want to work with something and they want to communicate on a personal level. Yes, yes. And to the degree you can can do that and not be manipulative about it but I mean when I work wanted to work with you I want to know where you came from and I think so many advisors in particular some of the people that I've met along the way is they think that by by showing up in the Mercedes and the Rolex watch somehow that makes them credible and it's really by being human because let's face it Deirdre and my business managing money is not all that hard I mean my business is not hard you turn it over to a money manager and, and, you know, the markets go up and you, you know, so yeah. this is it's not rocket science. This is, yeah. I'm not a surgeon that takes years and years and years to figure out how not to cut that artery. But I do know that individual customers, clients want to work with real life people. People.
0: Yeah. I always say you want to be a p- person first and an advisor or business owner second. And if they don't see the person, and especially today, I feel like, a, I feel like the landscape has changed, Aaron. I feel like maybe you know, 20, 40 years ago, it wasn't as important, but today people want that, um, vulnerability that you know, appropriate for the business environment, that authenticity, that connection. And you were, I feel like you were, and you probably didn't even know you were a trailblazer at the time, but I think you were probably one of the first advisors, quite honestly, who was sharing their story because you started doing this right decades ago. And I know I've been, um, preaching that message in this industry for the last, Oh, 12, 13 years. And it's just in the last maybe one or two where now people are saying, yes, Deirdre, we're in like, it's taken a long time for people to go, okay, we
1: see how important this is, but you have well, seen that I took it one step further too, in that. I tell people, because I have a specific part of my process called my visions and values conversation. And when I'm doing my, my call, my initial approach talk, when I meet with them the first time, I tell them, okay, this is my process. I'm going to have one entire meeting with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about you. I'm going to want to know about where were you born and raised? Tell me about your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your nieces, your nephews, and then your children. What I'm looking for is I'm looking for potential train wrecks what could come along and disrupt your plans to have a wonderful retirement or whatever your goals are think about this i i do i have one meeting and i and i before i before i ask them to basically i say undress in front of me yes. tell me everything about that personal stuff in your world how dare i ask them that yes and and to me it's super important to know i want to know do they have a more to feel moral obligation to help their brothers or sisters if they get cancer do they have a moral obligation to do me, put nieces and nephews through college. I mean, those are those all, all those have financial implications. I want, as a good advisor, I want to know if that stuff's hanging out there. But how dare I ask these personal questions unless I've, I used to say, I get naked first. I mean, I undress first and say, here's my baggage, here's everything that I had to deal with. Yep. I tell them that when my older sister got cancer at age 70, she was deaf. She has a mental acuity of a 10 year old. Okay. I paid for her. Alternative cancer treatment. I was able to do these things because of money. I want them to see the, the benefit of having a lot of money. The benefit of all the work they did was what they can do with it, who they can help, because money of it, in and of itself is just a tool. I want to make that tool something that they can use to help the people and the causes and the things they care about.
0: Well, absolutely, and one of the things that I'm when I'm training advisors is is I talk about flipping the script. Right in the industry, the script has been you don't talk about yourself at all. You ask questions, and I say, how about you actually share something appropriately vulnerable that relates to them and what you're doing? First, you show your underbelly first. It's sort of like the dog, right? The alpha, like when the dog is not the alpha that they, they kind of show their underbelly and then maybe someone else will show their underbelly, but it's like your version of undress. Like you show it first and set the tone and they're going to be a lot more comfortable to be vulnerable also. So one of the things that I recommend is when you're in a meeting with someone, you know, you sit there and you you first sit down together, whether it's online on zoom or in person, and you do sort of the nicey, nice chit chat. And then it's time to call the meeting to order. And instead of, okay, so tell me about you or what brought you here, that kind of thing. You say, you know what? I'm so excited you're here and I'm excited to learn all about you. I'm excited to learn about your values, your goals, your dreams, your fears, your hopes. And you might have some questions about what I do, but what's more important about what I do is not what I do. It's why I do it. So before we jump in to talking about you, do you mind if I take like two to three minutes to tell you why I care about you and why I'm thrilled that you're here? And then of course, they're going to say, yes. And then that's what you, when you share what I call your why story, you might call it the founder story, right? That's when you share that story. And then you'd say something like, so that's why I'm here. What made you want to invest the time to talk with me today? I want to learn about you now. right, totally. And you've totally set the stage differently than if you just jump into this very heady question and you ask them to expose themselves to someone they don't even know
1: to me, it's like, how dare you do that? I would never ask
0: somebody to do that unless I was willing to go first. Yeah, totally. So let me ask you this talk about, cause we've talked about this, the role that presenting in front of groups has played in your business from when you first started to till you sold. And even now, now you're a keynoter and trainer. So having these like really great group presentation skills, being able to present in front of people because that's one of the things that that I'm obviously known for and that I that I help business owners and advisors do is become crazy good speakers who are amazing at presenting in front of people why
1: is that so important aaron
0: what's it done for you
1: <laughs> well all i can say is i wish i had known you 30 years ago because i did i built my business doing public seminars there was a, a long period of time i averaged 6 seminars a month and I was very lucky because I, but I worked my tail off and I would do daytime seminars at the public library and then pray for rain because if it rained, the husbands wouldn't play golf and <laughs> actually come to the library with, I mean, I had all I kinds love of it. Yeah, I love it. rationale, but and I fumbled my way through it for many, many years. And truthfully, even fumbling my way through it, I, I did okay for, you know, I always say I did okay for a girl, but if I had had any training and there wasn't any, you're the first person I've ever come across and how long have we known each other? I don't even know. 10 years, years or whatever years. Oh, oh, really, I, it was longer than I know. That, yeah, yeah. Probably I, about five years or so. Yeah. I would have given anything to, cause I was just fumbling around. The miracle is that I think people trust me. Yeah. But it really was a miracle because <laughs> I, I really had, I had no speaking skills. I just went up there and put it out there. I had a mentor. His name was Hal. I, God love him. He, he, I would go to his seminars and pretend I was his assistant and, and he, he let me just copy his stuff and stuff was good. But if I had to do it over again, I mean, I, I would have never today, I would never give that same seminar that I gave. It was, it was very heady. Like you said, it wasn't emotionally engaging. It was just, it was just data. Yeah. But back then you could get by with it. I mean, you could you probably, you don't remember that the time that in the old days, when I first started the whole idea of having morning star or, any data about a stock or a mutual fund that was, we
0: owned that. Well, that's true. No one could find that on the internet. There was no internet. So actually people were really like, wow, I need this con, this information. Now the key is everybody has access. So you have to give the information, what I call curb appeal. You've got to dress it up and bring it to life so that it's yours. And it sounds different and more exciting than what they can just Google online. Totally. And then what role do you feel like your speaking skills have played and your ability to transition to a keynoter who, who, and a trainer in the industry? Well, lucky
1: for me, by the time I transitioned, I had met you <laughs> yeah, because you really did help me a lot in that before I, I sold my business, October 2nd, 2017. And so it was four years ago. And before that, Deirdre, I wasn't doing a lot of keynote. I was asked because I was a Barron's top 100 advisor in all categories. I kind of had a I had a mantra, I was going to give back to my industry and I would do one speech a year okay, if I had to, because what I felt like I was doing was training my competitors. Yeah, got it. What happened was in 2015, I had written a book called Seven Figure Firm, How to Build a Financial Services Business That Grows Itself. So that was 2015, I thought, well, I'm going to make sure I'm telling the truth. So I took six months off in 2015. I went to India for a month. I went to Asia, China for a month. I went to Africa for a month and I took the summer off. And lo and behold, 2015, my company, had, we had a record year. <laughs> and you're gone for six months. It's amazing. I effectively, I had worked myself out of a job. Right then, I started getting asked. And very next year, I started getting asked to give industry speeches. And at the time, they were paying like at $10,000 a speech or whatever it was, six, seven years, well, 2016. And I really didn't, I still didn't want to do it. I, I was like, you know what? $10,000. I could call a client and make $10,000. I don't want to get on a plane because yeah. it's never a one hour speech. It's a day no. to do it, a day to travel back three days out of your life. I'm like, I've got grandkids. I'd rather go spend time with grandkids. But, and I know we're going to talk about this. I went to my husband, Bob, and I said, what if every time I got on a plane to give a speech, what if we gave 50% of that money to our orphanage in Africa? And he goes, Oh my God, that'd be great. So suddenly I had new purpose to yes, get on. Yes, of- I love this. Yep. That's how a lot of this got started. And the idea of giving 50% of my money away became very intriguing and a lot of fun. And so I started giving industry speeches a lot. Then I met you and I felt like I was getting better and better. I sold my company and now I give industry speeches a whole lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's more than one time a year now, Aaron. Okay. So as we're moving in the home stretch here, tell us what you're doing now and tell us. How can people find you? How can they work with you? Because I'm sitting here, like literally, this has been the fastest, probably like 40 minutes of my life. It feels like five minutes. And I'm sitting here going, okay, Aaron, I want more, I want more, I want more. And I'm guessing my listeners are thinking the same. So
1: how, how, how do they get you and, and have you mentor them? If they go to ErinBotsford.com, so www.ErinBotsford.com, just my name, they can find out all about my training program. Well, what I do is I take people through a six month training program. Literally, I send you an email every week and say, now study this. And it's about if you can take 45 to minutes to an hour and a half, two hours a week. And I tell people, just get up early for the next yeah. six months, get up at 530, listen to me for an hour in the shower or on the treadmill or whatever, and then get dressed and go to work. In the next six months, I can completely transform. If you're a financial advisor, I can completely transform your business. You can learn everything I know to build an amazing business. One thing I'm known for is to help advisors move up market. I'll give you an example. One of my students, her name is Carolyn. She's been in the business 25 years. Her average client was around a two, two, three million dollar client. She went through my course and she said she had an opportunity to get in front of a 30 million dollar business owner. And she said, Aaron, Even if I'd had that opportunity last year, I would have never gone to that guy or approached the guy because I didn't know how to, I didn't know what to do in that situation. I wasn't to that marketplace. But she said, I binge watched your secret, I call it my secret sauce. And that is what to say, exactly what to say when you get in front of whatever kind of prospect it is. If they're a, a lawyer, a doctor, a business owner, an executive, these are the things that you should say. And mine is very prescriptive right it's not coaching it's prescriptive say these words and they will say yes right yes she got there one of my mantras is if there are two people in a couple both people have to be there before you do your i call it my approach talk well the, the wife wasn't there so she knew that she got the wife on a zoom call so the wife was there she did her approach talk and the next day she said i went home and i just i just prayed you know and so the next day, the guy called and said, hey, can I bring by a check for $15 million? And she goes, yep, yeah, I'll be at the office. And three weeks later, she also got his $40 million business partners. That's amazing, Erin. That's how effective this training can be. And then yes. after six after six months, then you can, you can choose to enter, I call it mastery. And every month we get together. And what I do is I also get on a monthly call. So it's a joint call. Those usually last an hour and a half to two hours. And I answer every single question and what we, I always tee up one business lesson and one, what we call a disturbing track, how to disturb your clients. Cause I'll say this one thing and then I'll, I'll be quiet clients going to a financial advisor or hiring a financial advisor is akin to going to your dentist. Okay. Typically nobody seeks one out. What has to happen is they typically have to have a triggering event in their lives to seek out a financial advisor. So they may be getting a divorce a parent may have died, they're planning for college education, planning to retire. So, I don't want, my thing is, I don't want to wait around for that triggering event to actually happen in their lives. So, my approach is I create, I, I use what I call disturbing tracks, and I yep. create the triggering event in their mind to get them to, to work with me right yeah. now before maybe the negative thing happens. That's what I teach my advisor students, take six months, and then pretty much everybody stays on because the the next part is all about mastering your skill. I can teach you everything in six months, but you're not going to become a master of anything. It's like going to the gym, right? You're not going to become a master unless you really keep going. You have to apply. Yeah. And you may not have a business owner client in the first six months, but somewhere along the line, next, next year, you're probably going to run into a business owner. I want you to know exactly what to say to get that business.
0: I love it. I love it. So financial advisors, if you want the opportunity to really sit at the foot of a master like someone who has achieved extraordinary success in your industry this is amazing what you're doing aaron and what's to me what's even cooler is that again half of what you're earning is going to support these kids in africa so thank you so much for not only being willing to give back to the industry because you clearly you could ride into the sunset right now like you're fine but you're wanting to give back to the industry and you're wanting to give to people who, who, who really need that help. So thank you for doing both of those things. Okay. One more time, where can people reach you? And then if you have, I'm going to put you on the spot, one piece of advice, whether it's an advisor or a business owner. So again, I have a similar business model to yours, even though I'm not an advisor. So think of what you might say to me, like what's just one piece of advice you would give that someone could even implement in the next three days I'm really putting you on the spot here. Oh my gosh. To either make a shift in how they think or how they do something.
1: First of all, they can reach me at www.erinbotsford.com. It's E-R-I-N-B-O-T-S-F-O-R-D. Thanks. So thank you for doing that. One piece of advice, Dan Sullivan has a saying that I love. And I actually, for my 50th birthday, my friends inscribed a cup, a plastic cup. And it says, always make your future bigger than your past. Mm. Having my future bigger than my past. And that's harder to do as you, especially as you get older. Yeah. How to make your future bigger than your past. The way I feel like you can do it is always through contribution. So to me, the best advice I would give somebody is sit down and write out all the things. If you had $10 million in your bank account right now and you didn't need it and you didn't need any of it. Yeah. What would you do with that money? What would you do? How, what kind of a difference could you make in the world? who could you help? What causes do you care about? Because what's interesting is it's like, as you put it out there, the universe responds and you end up with that stuff. I love it. If you don't think big, you'll never, it'll never come to you. You know, there's those laws of the universe. And so the larger you think, then it sets in motion what you need to do to get there.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Erin. If I was with you, I wish I was with you. I'd give you a big old kiss and a big mm-hmm. old hug right now. Thank you so much for being here. This this was amazing. I mean, this was such a beautiful conversation. You gave so many amazing strategies and mwah, I am I am grateful. I'm grateful to you.
1: I'm grateful for you too. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Good Talks
0: podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered in this podcast represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Accelerated Performance, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.